we're working together through the book of Genesis in the second season of the podcast. And we've reached Genesis chapter 8, and in this episode we're going to be considering the verses between verses 8 and 17. And I've called the talk today, The Flood Recedes. It's pretty much continuing on from where we left off last time, when we saw that the waters were receding and that Noah had first sent out a raven. But I'd like to remind you that there is a full transcript of all these talks I do with every one of the podcasts in the Bible Project series. You just need to look in the episode notes of any audio version of the podcast that you might be listening to. There's also links there, not just to the, the daily Bible Project podcast, but also the Living in Faith Everyday podcast, where in I do a compilation of the previous weeks or couple of weeks daily podcasts plus some other material from other teaching or events I'm taking part in. But anyway, the last time, as I said, we saw the water beginning to recede on the surface of the earth and Noah sending out a raven. And you'll remember that the raven we recognised was a scavenger and that would be able to survive by eating any carcasses that were floating on the water. So next, in this part of the story, Noah will release a dove. And I'll just read the continuing story from verse 8 and 9. And it says this, Then he, that's Noah, sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could find nowhere to perch because there was water all over the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark and he reached out his hand and he took the dove and brought it back into the ark. So this time, it's not a raven, he sends out a dove. But unlike the raven, the dove can only land in a dry place. And because it didn't find any dry place to land, it returns to the ark and Noah brings it in. The text continues in verse 10. He waited seven more days and again sent out a dove from the ark. And when the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth, and he waited seven more days and sent the dove out again, but this time it did not return. So this time he doesn't wait the 40 days, this time he waits only seven days. And the fact that the first dove returns with a fig leaf at least indicates that the waters are indeed abating. However, this did not indicate that the ground was perfectly dry yet, because apparently an olive tree can produce leaves while waterlogged, so maybe the process is not quite finished yet, and Noah recognises that, which is probably why he waited another seven days, and then the last dove goes out, and this one, this time, it doesn't return. The failure of the dove to return, of course, would be an indication that it had found dry ground. I think, looking back on this, realising this is thousands of years old, this is a pretty astute method of establishing the state of the ground, isn't it? So the flood now is completely receded. And if you trace all these events chronologically and calculate the number of days according to these verses, some have realised and pointed out that the whole drying process and the receding of the water took approximately nine months. Or, if you want to be exact, there's 284 days when you add it all up. Now I throw those figures at you for a reason. Firstly, I think you'll agree the th- first thing that probably pops into your mind is that's quite a long time. 
But then secondly, I would ask you to consider what else takes 285 days in nature? What else takes nine months? Now, it's not just me, but the fact is that some people kind of wonder, did God allow nine months for the new birth of the earth to take place? There are several principles involved here that I think are important to note. Firstly, is that God often uses natural means to bring about his purposes. We tend, as Christian believers, to sometimes seek out supernatural means and supernatural reasons for everything. Our human nature means we sometimes like, are drawn to, or even glory in the dramatic, the theatrical. But most of what God does, he does through natural processes. Now practically, what that says to me is if you're sick, of course pray, but also go to the doctor. Interestingly, as a doctor told me once when I was a child, when my mother took me with him with a very badly cut chin, he put two stitches in it and then he said to me, the doctor was obviously a believer, there you are, he said, God will now heal you, but I got paid for it. God used the doctor in that situation to bring healing to me by natural means. But the other thing I think this passage draws attention to is the fact that we can learn that God works at his pace, not ours. Could God have done this faster? Could he have dried the earth and caused the water to recede faster? Of course he could. Perhaps one of the great lessons we need to learn in all of this is that of patience. And I believe there's no greater area where the principle is truer than in the area of spiritual growth. There aren't really shortcuts to spiritual growth. Growth, when we see it in the natural realm, according to our human perspective, can often seem very, very slow. As a child, when I used to plant things, I used to get very frustrated that it would appear to grow so very, very slowly. I wonder if your parents put marks on the wall to mark your growth as a child. Didn't that appear to take such a long time and weren't the increases in your height so marginal when you did the measure weekly or monthly? Well, we know that physical and natural growth is slow, but spiritual growth is often slow also. When God works, he often works slowly, but there's a reason why he works slowly with us. And I would suggest is the reason is that that is the only pace that we are capable of truly learning spiritual truths. Let's pick up again at verse 13. By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the waters had dried from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Here's the point, friends. Noah waited 29 more days after releasing that third dove. He could see the dry ground, but he still did not leave the ark. The occupants of the ark have now been aboard it for 371 days, more than a year. Now, I know there are people today who like to take cruises, but 371 days stuck on a boat is pushing it a bit, I think. The story continues, verse 15. Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives, and bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground, so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. God now says, Leave the ark and bring out the animals. 
they now are called out to go out and fill the earth, to repopulate the earth. This is a recommission of the original command from Genesis chapter 1, when God said he wanted all the creatures to be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth. And we shall continue to follow this recommissioning, following this rebirth of the earth in the next episode. I'll see you again very soon.